the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, it's 10.08 as we continue now into hour number two on AM 1420, The Answer. I uh, very rarely, in fact, I can't remember the last time I was, uh, I made the decision to uh, um, forego the traditional open with the great communicator, President Reagan, and that I start every hour with. But I wanted to make sure I had as much time as possible for Peter Kirsenow, because Kirsenow is only here until 10.30. Unexpected Kirsenow is the best kind of Kirsenow. He's here on a Wednesday, and if you're a normal Wednesday listener, well, this is a treat for you. Peter Kirsenow, thanks so much for joining us. How are you, sir? Bob, how you doing? You know, it's only 152 days until uh, the Browns play against the Ravens. Bobby <laughs> Mitchell, unfortunately, died yesterday, and... The good news is it looks like Major League Baseball may be coming out of hibernation. You know, there's been some report that they may try to play games in a uh, particular centralized site with no fans. So we'll see what happens with that. But I think we're starting to see what you and I have been talking about for the last couple of weeks, and that is a little bit of perspective on the part of the powers that be and maybe to some extent in a few people in the media uh, it's not to diminish the seriousness of this um, event with coronavirus, but uh, I, as you and I have discussed, so much perspective has been lost here, and I think we have, and you know, the after-action report is going to be interesting on this. I'm not going to fault anyone on this when you're doing things in real time, but um, the modeling on this, the uh, types of reactions to this, some of the what I would call hysteria, even though this yeah. is a serious illness, this is, there's just been outright hysteria, and the bombastic politicization of this by so many in politics and in the media. Uh, so uh, there's going to be a significant after-action on this, and, uh, but it looks like maybe we're starting to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Hope it's not a free train, but I've never thought it was a free train to begin with. I thought it was something that needed to be treated in a serious fashion, but also mm-hmm. in a sober and rational fashion. And, you know, it remains to be seen whether or not we've done the latter two things. That's a great point, Peter. And Peter Kirstenau, for those who may not know, and you should by now, Peter, of course, is a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He's a lawyer. He's also a best-selling author, and he's the host of the Kirstenau Report, which you can hear here on AM 1420, The Answer. Pete, um, it's manufactured hysteria to me. That is the worst part about it, and I think some of that is being fed into by not only the politicians and not only the media, but also some of the doctors, which I want to ask you about in a moment. But first, I want to ask you about a new element of this that I had not really heard much talk about until yesterday when the president and some others confirmed that there is a racial aspect to the coronavirus. We have been told from the beginning this uh, virus knows no uh, political partisanship. It doesn't know political parties. It doesn't have state boundaries. It doesn't have racial boundaries. It'll affect everybody, we were told, but apparently it affects some more than others. We're actively engaging on the problem of increased impacts. This is a real problem. And it's showing up uh, very strongly in our data on the African-American community. 
And we're doing everything in our power to address this challenge. It's a tremendous uh, challenge. The president confirmed that uh, the African-American community is being disproportionately affected by the COVID-19 virus. And I don't understand how or why. What can you tell us? Well, um, we're going to be taking a look at it at the Civil Rights Commission, as you might imagine. Um, you know, without being flippant about it, it's a little bit of, you know, the old uh, New York Times headline of World Ends Tomorrow, Minorities and Women Hardest Hit. Um, yeah, it's to be expected that certain demographics are likely to be hit more heavily than other demographics. We know, for example, that the aged and infirm are more, more likely to be hit. When you take a look at all kinds of epidemiological data, as we have from time to time on the Civil Rights Commission, you'll find a number of things that are unfortunate, but they are not because of some type of nefarious plot. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be looking into it and seeing if we can ameliorate this, these disparities, but they emerge largely from, among other things, income levels. When you look at income levels, that's probably the greatest indicator as to whether or not any type of uh, disease is going to hit one segment of the population versus another segment of the population. Generally speaking, of course, poor people have poorer outcomes. They either have different, because of different lifestyles, because of different access to medication, because of different responses. Um, sometimes what we find is that poor individuals, disproportionate number of whom happen to be minorities, um, simply don't have the same type of reactions to events that uh, others do or don't have the resources to react. They may not be covered under certain types of, of health care plans. So those are the kind of things that, yeah, there are disparities there, and they should be examined to see to what extent they can be ameliorated. I hope it's not a socialist type of amelioration where we just, just decide to give everybody the same uniform type of health care plan, but uh, it's not because there's a, a a conscious effort not to treat minority groups or different um, uh, demographics. It's likely... Well, no, in fact, Dr. Fauci said there's nothing we can do, really, to ameliorate this, because one of the things, in addition to what you just pointed out, Pete, about poverty, perhaps making, uh, you know, less, uh, have pe making people have less access to health care, access to prophylactic devices like the masks, this, that, or the other thing, hand sanitizers, Lysol wipes, or whatever, uh, but it's also underlying health conditions. Uh, there is a heightened level of diabetes and hypertension. And, and and according to the doctors, Dr. Fauci, particularly, uh, obesity and asthma in the black community compared to other racial demographics. And so the COVID-19, if they do indeed become infected, is going to hit them much, much harder because of those levels of pre-existing conditions uh, that the black community suffers from perhaps more than others. And Dr. Fauci said there's really nothing we can do about that. Yeah, you're precisely right about that. If you go down the list of the kind of exacerbating conditions to coronavirus, you see a, a higher percentage of blacks who have those conditions, whether it be hypertension, whether it be uh, respiratory diseases. It's a whole host of issues. Diabetes, much higher among uh, blacks than it is among whites. And all same is true for certain other poor communities. It's not just a function of uh, race. It's a function more of income, although that is not the case with respect to hypertension. Regardless of income level, blacks have greater instances of hypertension than do whites and Asians. I'm not sure what the numbers are for uh, Hispanics. I have to take a look at that again. But, yeah, there's, there's going to be a component to that. You will see disparities there, but it's not because Donald Trump is out there making sure that blacks and other minorities have uh, coronavirus. 
Uh, and that's kind of the underlying narrative. Whenever you hear things like that, you know, we have gotten wise to the fact a long time ago that the media's subtext to all this is Trump's responsible for everything, and he's not adequately addressing anything, and he's ignoring the black community, he's ignoring this community and that community, all kinds of communities. The one community Trump has not been uh, uh, ignoring, at least in my estimation, is the American community. That is very well said, uh, Peter. Peter Kirstenau is with us. He is a Cleveland attorney and a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. I'm glad to know that the Civil Rights Commission is going to address and evaluate this stuff. Um, Pete, I want to, I've got two other really huge things I want to ask you about. And I want to go to the WHO, the World Health Organization. President Trump said yesterday in a speech or in his uh, press conference that the uh, WHO has been very China-centric. They've been more than just China-centric, which means they're focused on China most uh, more than anything else. They have become China's defense uh, uh, attorneys, quite frankly. Anything that China says, anything that Beijing says, anything that the communist government of China says, the WHO backs. Um, in fact, the World Health Organization tweeted back on January 14th that according to uh, China's um, well, let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh, I wanted to quote it exactly. Now nah, I, I, I skipped past it. Anyway, uh, paraphrasing it, that uh, uh, early early uh, um, investigations uh, uh, from chi- uh, Chinese uh, researchers say that this COVID nineteen cannot be transmitted human to human. Uh, so it's not something that you have to worry about. This is January fourteenth. A couple of weeks later, uh, the World Health Organization is praising China. A couple of weeks after that, the World Health Organization is calling China the model that the rest of the world should follow on how to deal with the Wuhan coronavirus. My question is, is for you is, can we trust the, or the um, uh, World Health Organization, and should President Trump follow through with his threat, or at least his consideration, of defunding that organization? Well, my answer to that is I don't think you can trust any of the international organizations, frankly. I mean, look, they've got a certain utility, and we take them for what they're worth. But with respect to the WHO and any other component of the UN, for example, the UN Human, uh, Commission on Human Rights is a joke. The membership of the Human Rights Commission consists mainly of the greatest human rights violators on the globe. And with respect to the World Health Organization, Keep in mind that a lot of the aspects or and, and uh, constituencies and even the employees of the World Health Organization come from areas and countries that don't necessarily appreciate the United States and our freedoms all that much. Um, it's no surprise that they have taken the side and have been repeating, regurgitating the propaganda of China. Uh, they, if you've watched them for a long, long time, that's what they've been doing. So have other components of the UN and other international organizations, which which often seem hostile to UN. I'm sorry, U.S. interests, and especially during the administration of President Trump, they are really angry that the United States has taken an America First position for the first time in quite some time, and they are ideologically opposed in large part to the United States of America. Many of them are. I don't want to paint with a broad brush because you've got a lot of different people there, a lot of different organizations within the UN and other international organizations. Uh, but don't be surprised that when you've got a world that where you know many nations are either socialistic, communistic, or uh, staffed by dictators, that you're going to have this type of enmity toward the United States and 
an attempt to carry the water of China. It's a little peculiar because a lot of times you will find that organizations will carry the water of those that are their patrons, that is, provide lots of funding. The United States overwhelmingly provides the most funding. Uh, so it really goes deeper, and it's an ideological motivation, very similar to <laughs> much of the press in the United States, who benefit from the fact that we have the robust protections of the First Amendment here in the United States, but happen to hate our current leader, um, happen to hate certain types of uh, thought processes and ideologies, and so their reporting reflects that. Pete, I want to take our time out here because on the other side, I want to hit the other of the two big stories that I left that I wanted to talk about. Dr. Burks's admission yesterday that anybody who dies with corona, uh, coronavirus is being counted as somebody dying from coronavirus, even if they were on hospice care and ready to go anyway. Uh, are the numbers valid? Are they accurate? And do they justify the economic chaos that this has all created? Peter Kirsten now addresses that next on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1024 now. We continue with Peter Kirsten. Now, Pete, you and I have talked about the economic calamity that this country is facing now. Over 10 million people in less than two weeks had to file for unemployment. Uh, the jobless, uh, 670 some thousand lost their jobs in the month of March. We all know where this is headed if this continues much longer. We know it's going to continue for at least the rest of this month and then perhaps beyond. And the reason it is, Peter Kirsten, now, as you know, is because of what all of the models say, uh, when the peak is coming to different states. And and uh, how much more the spread? How much? How many more lives are going to be lost, et cetera? So, uh, the models that are being used to guide the public policy that is crushing this economy are flawed, and that is to say, the very best about it. Uh, they're flawed. If I wanted to say the worst, I'd say they're trash. The University of Washington model has been so far off by tens of thousands in terms of need for bed space, ICUs, et cetera, et cetera, in the state of New York, which is the epicenter of all of this. Now, you add the flawed models, which are taking into account, by the way, uh, according to Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci, they are taking into account mitigation uh, factors. But add that to the fact that Dr. Burke said yesterday, by the way, if you die with COVID, you are going to be tallied as somebody who died from COVID. Even people who are in hospice care, even people who had something that was going to kill them anyway. Pneumonia is suddenly on a massive, massive downturn in terms of number of pneumonia deaths at this time of the year compared to previous years. Are people not getting pneumonia anymore? No, they're dying, but they're calling it COVID because the symptoms are the same or similar. So Peter Kirstenau, how much faith do you have in the models that are being used to count a number of deaths that I don't know if that we can necessarily trust and, and, and to have those things guide our economic policies? None. I have absolutely no, and I didn't from the beginning because they were ridiculous. Any type of model is just that. It's simply a model. It awaits the input of data, and we're getting more and more data that shows how grievously flawed the models are. Um, keep in mind a couple things. What Burke said yesterday was something that they had alluded to a couple of weeks ago, and it caught my eye. And what you really have to look at to determine whether or not people are dying from coronavirus, the best way of looking at it is to determine the overall deaths that you see in any given institution over what it was, say, last year at the same time, because deaths that may be recorded as coronavirus now may actually have the underlying condition of pneumonia or heart disease or diabetes or something else as the true cause of the death, but it's simply being recorded as coronavirus. Even with that, though, the most inflated numbers that we have are that in the state of Ohio, for example, right now, the last time I looked, we had approximately 170, 170 deaths. Each one is a tragedy. 
But that's over nine weeks, 170 deaths. And in the average 26-week flu season, you have 1,100 deaths in Ohio. So right now, we're tracking at about 40% of what the average flu season is. And again, that's not taking into account the fact that coronavirus deaths are being recorded when it may actually be the, the principal cause, maybe some other type of disease. Again, I am saying that this is a serious disease. We have to take serious precautions as a result. But we also have to be smart about this and look at this with some form of perspective. Right now, 45% of all coronavirus deaths occur in just one narrow little area of the five boroughs of New York City and northern New Jersey and a little bit of the um, outside areas, uh, uh, areas outside of New York City. Uh, you can look at in three areas of the United States alone constitute 70, 70% of cases and deaths. And we have to have some form of perspective. The physicians who are modeling these things, who are reporting to us, Fauci and Burks, look, they're, they're doing the best they can. I give them the credit for what they're doing, but they are physicians. Now, look, I took organic chem in freshman year in college and determined that I didn't have the chops to be a physician. So I give these guys a lot of credit. But they are physicians. They're not mathematicians. They're not, uh, you know, these prognosticators. Uh, their recommendations, such as Fauci saying that we may have to do this for another 18 months, um, we do this for 18 months, we will not have a country. We will not have any kind of functioning civilization. So we elect a president of the United States because every type of crisis has multiple moving components. In this case, the overriding component is the health component. But there's an economic component. There's a military preparedness component. There's a whole host of components that a president has got to adjust, has got to consider when formulating national policy. And I think at this point, we've had a lot of hysteria in the media, and some of that hysteria is the result of the, the, the media not knowing what the heck they're talking about, which often happens, but also because after a while, and we've seen this with the press conferences, they seem to have uh, a particular agenda. In fact, they gleefully report the projected death tolls. Not gleefully is unfortunate. I didn't mean to say that they're happy about this. Right. But they enthusiastically report these inflated um, projections of 1.6 million. Remember, initially we were talking 1.6 million to 2.2 million. Then it was brought down to approximately 250,000. Then it was brought down to 83,000. And now I think we're at somewhere around 60,000. Yeah, around 60, um, yeah. It, 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 when you're that far off, the bottom line is nobody knows what the heck they're talking about. Uh, that, that, that's one thing that is clear. They have no idea what they're talking about, and we need to wait for realistic data, and then draw conclusions, but it needs to be happening in real time, and we need to have the agility to adjust to changing statistics and circumstances. And I don't see that coming from a lot of folks. I don't see them changing their opinions based on changing facts on the ground. Again, very serious circumstances we're dealing with, but I think some perspective is in order because we're talking about trillions of dollars of damage to the economy, which has ancillary health care effects that can't readily be determined but are just as profound. 
Peter Kirsten, I almost called you Dr. Kirstenau. You said you didn't do well in organic chem, so I got to pull that back. Uh, Peter Kirstenau, <laughs> terrific, uh, terrific analysis, and I completely concur. And that is, a, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not blaming Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks. I'm not saying that they have any sort of ulterior motive, or, but it's almost impossible for them to come up with anything accurate as far as recommendations based on all of the flawed data that uh, that is being fed into these models and being spit back out. You remember, guy, go garbage in, garbage out, and that's right. what these models are uh, are based upon. Peter Kirsten, I know you've got a jet. Thank you for making time today, Thanks, my Bob. friend. Stay healthy, Bye-bye. you and your family. All right. That's Peter Kirsten out 1031. Guest free the rest of the way. Let's react to all of the news today, to the conversations <clears throat> Excuse me, I had with Dr. Sislek and with Peter Kirsten out right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten thirty-eight. As we continue now at AM 1420, the answer we had to uh, catch up on a few things there as we went a little long with Doctor uh, uh, Sislak in the first hour. Then, of course, Peter Kirsten now had to make up for that too. Uh, but really great conversations. Hey, if you're looking for something to do while you are uh, Warden Dewine has you locked in the hole today, um, get online. Go to No Safe Spaces dot com. No Safe Spaces dot com is where you want to be to watch. Last year's hit movie featuring Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla uh, called No Safe Spaces. You have the right to remain silent uh, is uh, is the subtitle. And it's uh, it's pretty good uh, with a great reason. I mean, the subtitle is good. The movie's great. The subtitle is pretty good because it, uh, it's uh, because of the underlying message. Free speech, quite frankly, isn't uh, allowed in this country in a lot of places. I mean, that's just the bottom line. If the radical left doesn't like what you say, they will stop you from saying it. Because they need to provide safe spaces, hence the title, for all of the little uh, snowflakes so that they don't melt. Whether it's social media, work, your place of worship, uh, your school, they will come to shut you down. That's what Prager and Corolla reveal in this movie. It's become a dangerous place, the United States has, to speak your mind freely and share ideas. Um, it's really an incredible uh, watch. You've got to take a look at it if you have not yet seen it. You can save 25%, by the way, off the price of No Safe Spaces uh, by using the discount code SAVE25. So when you go to NoSpaces.com, no safe spaces rather, NoSafeSpaces.com, and you click to uh, purchase the movie, use the promo code SAVE25 to get 25% off the number one political documentary of 2019, and best, better yet, the only film in America released last year to uh, pull a 99% audience approval rating at RottenTomatoes.com. Highest rating of any film last year. No Safe Spaces online now at NoSafeSpaces.com. All right, we've covered a lot of ground today. <clears throat> Not anywhere near as much as we need to, quite frankly, but um, what I want you to do is respond to what we've talked about. And especially the last question I asked Peter Kersenow, I played the uh, some of the info that was presented last night by Tucker Carlson and by Britt Hume and by Dr. Uh, uh, Deborah Burks at the uh, press conference. Uh, in fact, let me just throw this part out there. <clears throat> this is what Dr. Burks said, she, and I played this for you. She said that if, uh, you know, we're using a very liberal counting of the COVID deaths. Some of the other countries are not. If somebody has an underlying health condition and then they get COVID-19, we're calling it a COVID death, no matter what the circumstances are. Uh, listen to Britt Brit Hume express that, explain that rather a little bit more clearly. At the current time, Tucker, our death rate, the official death rate based on official statistics in this country is about somewhere between three and a half, four percent. 
Uh, in Europe, it's about 6%. And, uh, or, and No, I'm sorry. In Europe, it's about 9%. Worldwide, it's about 6%. So obviously, that data, if it, if it you know, with, with those infirmities, uh, might not have been the right basis on which to, to, to project using a model. Uh, and can, there's also this, Tucker, as we examine this. Um, over the weekend, the New York Times and Washington Post, I thought as if on cue, published stories about, well, it looks like we were obviously underestimating the fatalities from this because, you know, before we really knew more about it, a lot of people died and undoubtedly they had it. So we missed those and they should be in the, in the coronavirus death count and so on. But there's another side to this. Dr. Burke said tonight during the briefing at the White House that, that all deaths from anyone who died with coronavirus is counted as if the person died from coronavirus. Now, we all know that isn't true. I remember my own doctor telling me at one point when I was right. discussing prostate issues, he said about prostate cancer. I didn't have it as it happened, but he said, you know, a lot more people die with it than die from it. That's a real possibility right. that people who have this disease, particularly there are lots of people who are asymptomatic who may have other terrible diseases. Um, and if everybody's being automatically classified, if they're found to have COVID-19 as a COVID-19 death, we're going to get a very large number of deaths that way. And we're probably not going to have an accurate count of, of, what the, of what the real death total is. That is an extraordinarily important piece of information, what Dr. Burke shared yesterday. I mean, bottom line is if I'm diagnosed with COVID-19 and I'm driving back after my positive test from the hospital and I get killed in a car crash, the government's going to chart it as a COVID-19 death. Hey, the guy had COVID-19. He's now dead. That's a COVID-19 death. That's a, that's a startling admission. They're not actually trying to determine because they're not doing all, they don't have enough medical examiners. <clears throat> to do full-on autopsies of every single person. So what they're doing, and they also have people dying who don't even have, um, who don't even have a, a test taken. But they say that, well, they were symptomatic. They were coughing. They had a little bit of respiratory problem, a little bit of hard time breathing, et cetera, et cetera. So therefore, we are ruling that, yep, they probably had COVID. So they're putting a little check mark or another little tally. And that is ridiculous. But that's what they're doing. And again, that is what has led us to the models that have us uh, shutting down the uh, the American economy, and I just don't find that to be responsible a responsible uh, way to make uh, uh, to establish public policy. I find that, as a matter of fact, to be a little bit a little bit toward the area of fear mongering. To be hundred percent honest with you, it's creating more fear, saying that there are more deaths than there really are from coronavirus, and I think that's a problem. Okay, to your fo- phone calls and your responses. Now we'll go to John. Has been waiting patiently. John, you are on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I know you wanted to ask a question of uh, the doctor last hour, but uh, uh, we'll bring you up now anyway. What's on your mind, sir? Things. One, the immune system itself. We always use the word guinea pig. That's an old expression, American expression. Yeah. And we get it from animals, but we want to study pharmaceuticals. We first study on animals, and as far as even going back to 50, 60 years ago, studies, they used the Charles Dickens language, urchins. Uh, people were poor in the neighborhood. They're not healthy. They were more protected than other people who are sitting in a houseboat. But we typically uh, overuse antibiotics, and sooner or later, there's a, the economics law of diminishing returns. Over a period of time, false sense of security, we overuse everything, and resources are finite especially the four-letter word called T-I-M-E. Data is very important. We can mix up and the reasons for existing conditions, pre-existing conditions are discounted in some of these data. 
you can have a chart, 90-degree angle. <coughs> if you have a four-inch charting, charting can be confusing. Pictures speak better than words. I understand that. The only thing we can do now is cooperate. That's the first thing. We all have to part to do. Number two, along the way, the old rumor, oh, once you get the chicken box, you may not get it again. Okay, if that is the truth. Right. We also should track the people who got cured on this corona, keep track of them, whether the plasma can be used, like other studies. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a pharmaceutical expert. But I do know one thing. Ingenuity is the solution. Practicality is the application. When rubber meets the road, let's be patient and hope for the best. Very well said, John. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate the phone call. By the way, you're not an expert on it, and neither am I, but the doctors who are, with respect to the last thing that you said about... um plasma uh they have all almost unanimously at least i haven't heard any contrary reports all of the reports i have been have heard have been unanimous that uh the plasma from a recovered corona patient can be used to treat three to four uh depending uh uh and i don't know what it depends on because i'm not a doctor but three to four they say uh other patients so that's a pretty big, that's a you know, pretty strong indication. They're working on antibodies, they're working on, obviously, vaccinations, and they're working on plasma uh, uh, technology, if you will, to try to cure and help people who are suffering from it currently. So that's a great point. Uh, we'll go to TJ next. Hi, TJ, go ahead. Uh, hello, Bob. You know, are you there? <laughs> yep. Oh, okay. You know, I know it's not all, but I don't trust a lot of these uh, healthcare professionals, and the WHO proves that. A lot of them are left-wing political hacks. They would love to see this thing go until the election, just destroy this economy, another avenue to attack Trump. So, or like this zombie, this Dr. Amy, I wouldn't take uh, uh, advice from this woman if it was the last woman on earth. I, I mean, I mean that. I think she's nothing but a political hack and stuff. But one thing I called, you know, your commercial was very interesting about this air cleaner that kills viruses. They do it with ozone emitters. And people have known this for years. It was effective against uh, uh, SARS, you know, ozone killing the virus. Right. Now, the question I have, and it would take, you know, I guess uh, somebody greater mind than mine to answer this. If ozone is that effective against killing viruses, last night we had a severe thunderstorm, right? And everybody, well, not everybody, but lightning creates tremendous amounts of ozone in the atmosphere. Is that effective? In killing viruses, you know, electrical storm, uh, and it'll kill it'll kill it in I, your house on an air cleaner. You know, I'm just saying. I wonder about that. It would be interesting to see. Uh, could that be like uh, a way to attack this virus? Ozone therapy. That is something I, that I. That is something that people in uh, in uh, offices with a lot more. Uh, 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 petri dishes and test tubes are going to have to decide rather than yeah. me because that is not that is not my area of expertise. But I like the outside the box thinking because that's what they're saying. This is a, that's why they call it a novel coronavirus because it's new, it's novel, it's not something that's been seen before this particular strain. So uh, if you're, you're going to have to deal with something that's new, then you're going to have to look for new solutions to it as well. So I have uh, well, I, I well it's not that. Are, it's, yeah, Bob, it's not that new. I you know I googled it and looked it up. Uh, it was very effective in killing the SARS virus, you know. Ozone. No, 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 I'm saying this particular virus is new. The, right, co- the right. novel coronavirus is new. I'm not saying the technology you're talking about. I'm talking about this particular thing, so you might as well look for something else, uh, you know, that you haven't tried before on this since it has not, uh, you know, since, uh, you know, they, they, they're thus far <laughs> unsuccessful. And uh, but I think it's thing- an interesting point. Yeah, you got one more? Go ahead. Yeah, one other thing. I think this will go on as far as 
the NFL season. And that's when Americans are going to stand up and say, enough of this crap is enough. We want I don't think they're going to. Yeah, I, I, President Trump pretty much said that a couple of days ago in one of his briefings. He said, look, uh, the American people, uh, are, are they need these things. They need basketball and baseball and football. And more than that, TJ, just because you know we're sports fans, that's not what it's about. The American economy needs these things. I mean, a National Football League cancellation of games. I know this is the same thing of baseball and, and, and basketball, but football more so because uh, it's limited. It's only 16 Sundays and then the playoffs. There is so There are so many businesses and manufacturers who will be, will be destroyed if the NFL does not play that people don't realize. People don't realize how many things are done, how many things are built around the National Football League, the bars and the restaurants and the snack makers and the merchandise makers, um, and, and everything that surrounds the National Football League. The league itself is a multi-billion dollar business, but it spawns multi-billions of dollars worth of other business just by what they do every Sunday. Uh, and, and if those, th- if that is taken away, um, my goodness gracious, I, I cannot even imagine, I can't even calculate the economic damage that that would contribute to this entire process. And one other thing to ponder real I, quick. All these cities that have been ravaged by this uh, a virus, they're all sanctuary cities. And I'll let you go on that one. Thanks, Bob. TJ. Appreciate the phone call. It's 1050. We'll get a few more calls in before the top of the hour right after this. So the WHO has responded to President Trump this morning. President Trump criticized the World Health Organization last night at his press briefing, said that the WHO has been China-centric and has hinted that he may cut funding to the World Health Organization. The WHO responded uh, this morning saying we are still in the acute phase of a pandemic, so now is not the time to cut back on funding. With regard to us, they're taking a lot of heat. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, let's see here. No, this was the president saying, with regard to us, they're taking a lot of heat because they didn't want the border closed. They called it all wrong. They really call, called, I would say, every aspect of it wrong. Um, trying to find more of the WHO response here. Looks like, because this just came across, it looks like, yeah, uh, quote, from Dr. Bruce Alward, a senior advisor to the WHO Director General, quote, it was absolutely critical in the early part of this outbreak to have full access to everything possible to get on the ground and work with the Chinese to understand this. Well, yeah, then why did the Chinese shut everybody out as they tried to cover it up and as you uh, covered up for them? I hope the president makes an announcement today that says, As soon as this pandemic crisis is over and we're back to work, we are cutting off all funding to the World Health Organization because they are not looking out for the best interests of all of its member nations. They are looking out for the CHICOMs that they are in uh, in bed with, if you will. There's no question about that. Jerry is in Brecksville. Uh, Jerry, you're on the air on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, sir. Oh, we lost Jerry. He didn't think we were going to take another call here, but we we will. And we'll take uh, Diane in West Park instead. Diane, are you there? Yes, I am, Bob. Good morning. Okay. Thank you. Go ahead. Um, my stomach is in somersaults and roller coasters from all, all everything, and I thank you for your show today and the and your input on these models. But my quick comment is: When are we going to hear from President Trump 
saying to uh, Dr. Faulty and his other medical advisors, you're fired, and to his economic advisors, you're hired. That's a really great question. A little play on uh, The Apprentice. Thank you, Diane, for the phone call. He's not going to fire Dr. Fauci. I thought, uh, by the way, I thought that was cute. You called him Dr. Faulty. <laughs> He's not going to fire Dr. Fauci. He's not going to fire Dr. Burks. But I think he needs to expand the medical pool. I think he needs to expand to other doctors um, who are experts in the field, like the one that I had on today. I just talked to somebody who is an expert in the field of epidemiology and bioterrorism and bio uh, uh, preparedness, et cetera, et cetera. I think he needs to talk a little bit more to other doctors to get more input than rather than just Fauci and Burks. And I'll leave it there for now because we're out of time. Mike Gallagher's next. Stay right here on AM 1420. The answer is stay healthy today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.